Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to episode 14 of the Leading Off Podcast. Of course, as always, I'm Matt Braun. And who am I talking to over here? Hey, everyone. Cooper Carlson here. Back to episode 14. Pretty good. We're back. We're back. Skipped a week because I was actually in Minnesota. Uh, funny enough how that works. So, uh, did not record last week. Of course, now recording this week. Fun stuff. We got a full episode. Uh, it's, of course, today's September 1st, so that's always fun. We'll be talking about how the most recent series went with Detroit. Talk about the series before then with the White Sox. We'll be talking about uh, where they're at right now. Of course, a five-and-a-half game lead. We'll talk about September call-ups, uh, the struggles with the rotation, uh, the bullpen that's now actually really good. Uh, talk about some injury news, some good, some bad. Uh, fan questions. You guys actually knocked out of the park this time. Thank you. Uh, Naturally, the eternal question, did Martin Perez do his job? A little bit of prospect slash minor league talk, and then looking ahead. So, full slate ahead. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, let's kick it off. First thing they did is they swept the White Sox. Hey, look at that. Uh, first sweep, first three-game sweep, felt like in a while. Um, I, I don't have the exact date on that. I probably should look that up before I said this, but I've already dug my own grave here. So, uh, they swept the White Sox in three. Did, I mean, they did. Straight up looked better in each game, and that was nice to see because uh, the last time they played them uh, in target field, it did not go that well. The White Sox uh, felt like actual competitors when they really shouldn't be for the Twins. It's harsh, but it's kind of true. Uh, beat them in all three. Pineda pitched well. Odorizzi pitched well. Rios was uh, okay. The offense broke out in all uh, three games, and the bullpen was great to do uh, good enough in all three games. So. A fun series, always fun being up on bad teams, because that's what you should do, right? Yeah, pretty good. Third of the week, 3-0, and and now they are 5-1 and through this Detroit series, which is not actually over yet. The final game will be tomorrow or the day this is uploaded, Monday. Yeah. But so far in the series, they've won two out of three, um, starting with the 13-5 win, where... Uh, yeah, uh, Gibson went five. He did Gibson things, you know, four and runs, ten hits. Just the usual of late, kind of. <clears throat> and Twins used four of their key bullpen guys in the game that it was a bit controversial to use them in, but, I mean, if that's the only problem we're having nowadays, that's fine by me, I guess. <laughs> next game, uh, yeah. they did lose. Yeah. They lost next game. Martin Perez came in. You know, he had well, three good starts in a row, but uh, the, everything Matt wanted to happen finally happened to him, and he Gave up seven earned runs in 2.2 innings. So you, you seem to be under the impression that I want this to happen. I'm merely <laughs> making observations. It would nothing would bring me better joy if Perez could go out there and throw seven shutout every time. I would happily take that. All right, all right, whatever. But anyways, Twins didn't lose that game. Stashak came in, did all right, three innings, two runs, but not great. Twins would go on to game three. 
to win that one eight three with no real difficulty. Pineda would continue his uh, very good stretch. He's becoming the ace of the staff very quietly, but well, not so much quietly anymore. But everyone's kind of taking notice. But he's kind of the number one here, and he continued that today with another strong outing. Yeah, it was a interesting series. You know, uh, the second game was kind of there's some you know shenanigans that kind of happen sometimes in baseball. Uh, again, the Twins obviously showed they're the better team uh, throughout the entire series. Technically, like like you said, uh, there is another game tomorrow. Uh, they described it as like a wraparound series because I mean, no series ends on Monday. That'd be ridiculous. Uh, it's made up from an earlier game. Just happened to be compounded with that. But the three games that have been played so far, the Twins have played well, with the exception of the start uh, in the second game, of course, from Martin Perez. We'll talk about him a little bit later because see, that's going to raise my blood pressure. But hmm. as a whole, you know, you go 5-1 uh, and one in any week, you take that. Uh, I wrote here they just did a great job cleaning up bad teams. And they're going to have a few more of those, uh, not immediately, but to end the season, you have a few more series against bad teams. Uh, you know, you got to beat them. It's it's that simple. Uh, it's, you you can't have the pin set up for you and then not knock them down. You got to knock them down, and they did that this week, and uh, that's why we're here right now. So, yeah, overall, good job there. I mean, they've done what's expected. I think five and one so far this week, and around fourteen and four in their last eighteen, if I count correctly, which is unlikely. But hey, who knows? Um, this is actually the first episode <laughs> we've done where. We didn't start at the end of a series, so that's a bit different. Because, I mean, you know, yeah. it's an add-on, but still a bit weird. But, yeah, I mean, they're taking advantage of the difficult or the easy teams. But upcoming, I mean, it's good that they've done this because they've actually got Boston, Cleveland, and Washington upcoming. So this was a stretch that they absolutely had to dominate in, and they're doing just that. So good job to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So uh, among one of the things that happened this week uh, – uh, in the second game of the series, uh, the Twins, when we were all waiting this, set the franchise, not just the franchise record, the MLB record for home runs hit in the season on August 31st, which, you know, in of itself is ridiculous. Uh, of course, a great job by the Twins. They put together a power hitting team, uh, an elite power hitting team, arguably probably going to end up statistically among the best of all time. Uh, I think it's a part of a reflection of the juice ball, but that's a, that's a different discussion, I think. Uh, to me, it was weird because it felt like a very uh, empty, like, thing to do, if if you ask me, because everyone was – I saw all these, like, Twitter celebrations, like, oh, the Twins finally broke it. I'm like, yeah, but they're losing today. I don't – I'm sad. I don't want to lose this game. But they ended up, ended up losing. I don't know about you. That's kind of how I was feeling. Oh, I was happier than ever when they broke that. I've been waiting three weeks to post this thing I had written, so it was great. I was on Twitter, I had like three tweets go up celebrating, and I didn't care about the loss. You lose games once in a while. It was it was whatever. They broke the all-time home run record. I was good with it. I mean, I guess the yeah, outcome yeah. was cool for in a win, but, you know, it's something cool that happens almost never, two years in a row now, but, <laughs> hey, juice ball or nothing, I don't really care. It was broken home run record. It's pretty good. Okay, yeah, you do have a point with your – you had the home run – uh, article up, so you did have an invested interest there. I don't know, maybe that's just me. I like, maybe I'm weird. I I was like, after today, I was much happier about how that game went than uh, the Saturday game. Maybe I'm just oh, I mean, like that. I was also happier after today's win than I was after breaking the home run record, but I didn't, I was still able to, you know, enjoy it and kind of forget about the loss for a while just to 
you know, acknowledge that they did something that's, you know, it's amazing that for this team to do it in August, break the home run record of all time. I mean, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. I'd say it's okay. Speaking of uh, records, actually, they also broke the away home run record. Well, or, or yeah, away yeah. amount of home run record as a team. I don't know. If, I'm not saying that right at all, but most mm-hmm. home runs not at home. There we go. And they also broke the yeah. record for most players on a team with 20 home runs with eight players on Polanco's blast against the Tigers in that loss. So three records broken in since we've last done the show. And, yeah, so there's something. <laughs> it's kind of it's strange to me because we're almost at, like, this where it's like I don't, I'm kind of becoming numb to all the home runs. Where it's like mm-hmm. Jorge Polanco has 20 home runs. Like, 10 years ago, that'd be a ridiculous statement. Now I'm just kind of like, of course he does. Sure, why not? It's sort of like Max Kepler is, what, 36? And it's like 10 years ago, that would be, if not leading the league at this point, damn near up there. But at this point, I don't think he's top five in the AL. Or he might be, but I don't think he's top five in all of baseball at the very least. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a strange time. You're just like, yeah, I guess they're hitting home runs. Sure, yeah. Not that special anymore, but sure. Right. Like, if you told me at the beginning of the year that Kepler would have 36 home runs right now, I would I would have, like, I would have thought you were crazy. I would have thought that was the greatest thing ever. But I look at it now, it's just like, oh, yeah, makes sense. No no real big deal yeah. there, I guess. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. It is It is odd. But uh, we're not talking about the home runs. We've been talking about that all season. So let's talk about some other stuff. Uh, this weekend, not only did the, the Twins do well, Cleveland got swept by uh, – with the Tampa Bay Rays in Tampa Bay, uh, of course, now giving the Twins a five and a half game lead in the division, the largest lead uh, I believe since was it July? Uh, I've got July fifteenth. July fifteenth. All right, I was right on that one. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> we we of course saw the lead, you know, dwindle down uh, for one day. Uh, it was then given to Cleveland, sort of risen back up. The fluctuation, uh, like uh, you know, I think we all said this. Uh, the August schedule is going to be a little bit cupcake. So they're going to have an opportunity to have a lead. You know, five and a half now, that's pretty hefty at this point of the year. Yeah, and um, over the last, you know, uh, since since Cleveland took over for 24 hours or whatever it was in that half-game lead, the Twins have proceeded to go 13-5 and five as the Indians have gone 7-11. and 11. So they've kind of just, the Indians have come, to, but come back down to earth and then some by a lot, and the Twins have done what they've been doing all year, and got back to their winning ways at the beginning, and they've gone 13-5, obviously. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I guess I was a little bit down when it first happened, but you calmed me down a little because you were a little more level-headed than me when it happened. But good to see them back up there. They're a better team than the Indians. and Yeah, I was wrong. Good to, good to see you back on the train then. I try. <laughs> I, I try to be like you – know, I, I'm like try to be the least reactionary person ever just because – I don't know, it's, I find it hard to be reactionary in baseball, just because, like, and, and we've seen it play out so many times. We're like, man, it's, it's either insert team here sucks or insert player here sucks. I'm like, just wait. Let's give mm-hmm. it some time. Let's see how this plays out. And then, of course, you know, you never pick up on the tickets, like, once once everything goes what you said it's going to go, because then you look like an asshole. But uh, and then, you know, it then fluctuates. It's a 162 games. It's hard to wrap your head around how long that is, but there's just going to be fluctuations. And we're seeing back at the top, the Twins are coming back up. I don't, I don't know if five and a half will stay. The Twins are about to uh, hit a, you know, four straight series against uh, good teams, uh, and then two of them against Cleveland. So we'll see what happens then. 
But uh, for right now, the, it's definitely in the Twins' favor, strongly. Yeah, and I was extremely level-headed all the way until they finally blew the lead. From 11 and a half all the way down to tied, I was riding it, and then they blew it, and I was like, oh, whatever. But, yeah, with the harder schedule you brought up, um, I'm sure 5.5, it probably will go down again, but after these uh, three hard series against Cleveland, Boston, um, Washington, then Cleveland again, four series, actually, they finished off with the White Sox, the Royals, the Tigers, and then the Royals. So, I mean, they'll probably finish at least, you know, four to five over if everything goes as it should, which, you know, wouldn't be too surprising at this point. Cleveland does not have nearly as easy of a schedule. They play uh, some, I forget, but harder teams than the Twins. (laughs) Yeah. And that's kind of what I was going to say also, but you mentioned it. Immediately after the hard teams, you're back to the soft uh, schedule. And off the year, not only the soft schedule, but you're going to be facing the soft schedule with September call-ups. So it's like, yeah, uh, who knows what kind of talent you're going to be facing on some of those squads. Mm -hmm. Especially with, like, the Royals, because they've already shut down, like, Brad Keller. Now you're looking at their starting rotation. You're like, all right, who legitimately on any day are you afraid of? Because it's like literally no one. He was the one guy. So uh, mm-hmm. you can at that at this point kind of just like pick and choose to be like, well, you know, you're gonna if you get insert AAA call up here. I don't want to be harsh, but that's like automatic dub, automatic <laughs> win, or at least automatic very like uh, slanted towards the Twins, just because yeah. they don't really care if they win or not at that point. So. That's I mean, what's going to happen. They're probably, you know, some of these teams are probably trying to lose at this point. Royals, Orioles, race wow. for that number one pick. <laughs> well, obviously <laughs> the players aren't trying to lose, but the coaches, you know, on the inside, going for that number one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, they've been trying to lose ever since the season started, so. Yeah. Well, no surprise. Get worse. Yeah, you're just kicking it in high gear at this point. Yeah. So, speaking of it, I talked about September calls for those teams. Let's talk about the September calls for the Twins, because today was September 1st, and uh, the roster expanded, of course, to 40, uh, 40 men. This will be the last uh, year that happens next year. It's getting capped at, what, 28, I believe? Yep. Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I like that or not. I'll, I'll have to think about that. But uh, for the time being, uh, the moves were uh, called up were Williams Ostadio, Bruce Dark Ratterall, Zach Littell, Ian Miller, Devin Smelzer, Cole Stewart, Lewis Thorpe, and Lamont Wade, and the uh, also, uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, then going to the IL was Kyle Gibson, and he would that move was then made to Lewis Thorpe coming up because he didn't have his uh, ten days yet. And then uh, just kind of clearing house stuff. Sean Poppin was promoted and then sent immediately to the sixty man to open up a forty man spot for uh, either Miller or Gratterall. It really doesn't matter, but that's a, a fairly hefty first round of additions. Uh, who are you looking at right now? Who do you have your eyes on? Um, I get, well, I'm going to start with someone named a Bruzdar Gratterall. He's number one up there for me, <laughs> obviously. But then I kind of want, I really want to see uh, Smeltzer some more because, as we've said, I mean, I don't trust him in the rotation right now, and I don't, I don't know if his stuff plays exactly like we've discussed a lot. So I'm excited to see him in some more situations, see if he can prove something. Cole Stewart is someone I don't have, I don't think will be on, I don't think he'll have a future with the Twins, really. I think this is, might be one of his last chances. I don't know if that's a popular thing, but I'm kind of out on Cole Stewart for now. And then one of my main guys, Zach Littell, obviously, could factor into the postseason bullpen for the Twins if he keeps performing like he has. So Zach Littell and Bruce Gratterall 
of the bullpen with Smelter coming in once in a while to prove what he can do. That'll be probably my big three that I want to see. I uh, One thing I'm interested in, and I'm kind of – I've been throwing this uh, idea around in my head uh, recently, especially with uh, Gibson now going on the I.L., you have an open spot in the rotation. I do wonder if we ever see, like, a bullpen game with the long men you have. Because you have both Smelter, Stewart, and even Thorpe to a small degree uh, who are, you know, they were starters for most of the year. So I wonder if we see these sort of, like, Smelter goes three, Stewart goes, like, two or whatever, Thorpe, I don't know, some of factors in there. And that's just kind of the start where it's just this three-headed monster of guys who eat as much innings as they possibly can. I wonder if they try and get creative like that. Because if you don't, then you kind of just have these guys sitting around in the bullpen for, like, whenever they're needing the blowout or whatever. And it's like, I don't know if that's the best use of their talents. So that's a, kind of an idea I've been floating around. Uh, no, there hasn't been, like, an announcement for what happens with Gibson's spot. And I would have liked to see that with Perez's spot also. But, you know, that's, that's another conversation. Uh, well, you said Gratterall and Mattel. I think those are two high-impact guys in the bullpen immediately. Uh, I'm actually interested in uh, Ian Miller because he was pretty much a career AAA guy for the Mariners. Uh, they made a minor league trade them a few weeks ago, and now he's up. He's got wheels. He's basically here for stealing bases, so I think he's just going to be the pinch runner, and because of that, he might sneak his way onto a playoff roster, potentially, but I'm very much interested in him also. Yeah, he's kind of he's going to take over that Billy Hamilton role, kind of, with the uh, Braves now, is it? I think it, yeah. And he'll just, yeah, he's probably never going to really bat, but he'll sub in as a pinch runner in a lot of games. But yeah, going to what back to what you said about the bullpen game, um, I'm actually really intrigued by that. I don't, I mean, I think it probably worked great. Smelter for the first time through the order, and then Thorpe from there, and maybe grab it all early in the game, so you get to your high leverage bullpen guys. Because Smelter, he's been fine throughout the year, but when he really gets into trouble, is after his first time facing the order, because the first time through he has an opponent uh, opponent line against him of 152, 222, 242. So you can just send him in there for to get nine outs and hope he gives up zero runs. Then after that, put Thorpe in. I mean, that'd be great. Three innings from each of them and then see where you go from there. I mean, that could work really well, actually. Yeah, that's why. I'm glad you brought in that number because I actually didn't have those stats off the top of my head. So it just mm-hmm. really strengthens my point, and I like it when that happens. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you can see that. I don't know I don't know if I have, like, full confidence in running that out against, like, Boston and Cleveland and uh, Washington. But uh, definitely once you get into, like, Kansas City and Chicago, you're like, all right, let's mess around a little bit. Let's have some fun. Let's, you know, let's get creative to a point where you can afford to do that more so. Uh, I'd be interested in seeing it there. Not just for, like, the sake of they could possibly perform better than what you have now, but just the sake of getting them more time and seeing, you know, more of what you actually have from these guys. So, so I'm actually yeah, also, we haven't talked. Oh, okay, what, yeah, what were you going to say? Go ahead. No, you go. You go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, um, I would actually, you know, I mean, I'd like to see it against some of these good opponents maybe because with who we got, we've got thrown, I mean, who we're throwing out there currently and how bad they're, you know, they're not doing well, any of them really, except big Michael Pineda. Trying a bullpen game might be better than, you know, Jose Barrios in one of these starts against the Boston Red Sox. Who knows? He hasn't been pitching well whatsoever. Hmm. All right, so you would uh, Cleveland comes into town. You're, you know, you'd be okay throwing uh, Devin Smelter, Stewart, and then whatever the hell else happens after that. You'd be fine with that. 
Everyone except Cole Stewart, yes. <laughs> Arian Stewart, okay. Anyone against Stewart, because you just hate him for some reason. He's, Stewart's not that, he's not, no, Stewart's, I mean, I'm not, he hasn't been good this year. I'm going Smelter, Thorpe, that's, you know, if you can get five or six innings out of that, quality innings, then you've got your good bullpen of Gratterall, Littell, Romo, all the guys you know, I mean, I see nothing wrong with that, really. Smelter's been fine through the first couple innings of most games. Except that one he blew up in, but other than that, it's fine. All right, well, I'm going to edit out you talking crap. I'm a voice steward because I don't appreciate this. <laughs> you know? Uh, but beyond that. Whatever. What, whatever, that's what you're going to say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I don't know quite, quite have the level of confidence you have, but eh, sure, why not? Let's do it. It really depends on, like, situationally how that goes, I think, for me. All right, so I got Cole Stewart's numbers here. <laughs> no, no, I'm editing this out. So you, you can't bring your math. Don't bring your math in here and try and shut me down, okay, dude? I don't want any of this. Okay, I just got to start with this. So you criticized Mike Morin for his K per nine of around four earlier in the year, and you didn't trust him because of that? But you want to roll yeah. out Cole Stewart and his 2.8 K per nine this year. I mean, okay. whatever. First of all, how dare you? You know, I'm just trying to cannot believe see where you're coming I can't from. I can't. Okay, you're trying to make logic out of like my strong opinions that are based on nothing whatsoever, and I don't know why you're doing that. But okay, live your life. Yeah, okay, how about the uh, five eight six FIP, five six four ERA? One, two, I don't even eight. know what FIP is. What is FIP? <laughs> you're you're bringing out here these these weird stats. I don't know what you're doing. Oh man! All oh, right, move on. Move on. Okay, I guess we're moving on from – you're speaking a different language, so, yeah, we can oh, move on. Oh, man, all right. Some, in somewhat related news, I suppose, uh, well, one of the things that went on this week was that uh, rotation still struggled somewhat. Uh, not somewhat, fairly much, really. A few of the names that you'd like to not struggle. Uh, and even going back, you got some numbers. Uh, since the start of August, uh, the Twins' bullpen – or the Twins' uh, rotation, excuse me, was the ninth highest – ERA in all of baseball, and a lot of the names they're around are not names you want to be next to. A lot of them are not playoff teams, and suddenly the Red Sox, um, but a lot of not good teams. And I mean, really, it's kind of been Oda Rizzi's bounced back a bit, but really, truly and honestly, uh, it kind of is just Pineda, the last starter that you trust, because Barrios. Still is struggling, and I know you probably have this giant smirk on your face, shit-eating grin. I know you have it right now, but let me talk. Uh, Brios really hasn't bounced back in the way you'd like to. There's been some signs of it, but then other signs of, like, like in his recent outing against the White Sox, he struck out eight over six, still gave up some hard contact and four wild pitches. We had three coming into the game on the year, which is insane. Uh, and then Perez, obviously, has just been a dumpster fire for a while now. And then Gibson now hitting the IL with his, uh, what was it, ulcerative colitis, which I, I looked up what that is. It sounds horrible. Uh, this image right now is just terrible. I don't want that on my screen. I'm moving that. <laughs> uh, now that you have, you know, all of this going on, and really you're kind of down to one and, like, three quarters of a reliable starter, it's uh, not a good situation. Yeah, and since we've last recorded, the Twins are sixth worst in the ERA. But somehow, mm. here, let's, um, I got something else. They are they have a FIP of three four six and an XFIP of three seven two. So it's not 
horrible. It would, I mean, they've been getting a bit unlucky, obviously, with the outfield they're throwing out there once in a while. But And then, mm-hmm. I mean, the ground ball percentage is top five in the major leagues, and their hard hit percentage right now against them, sixth best in baseball, which is really weird because the Twins rotation has been basically awful for months now. But digging a little deeper here, they're, you know, the secondary numbers are looking like there should be there should be some uh, regression back to the mean soon, but it's really not happening unless tomatoes on the hill. Yeah, it's and I'm with you there because I've seen all the secondary numbers and I, I believe in them too. I don't believe in them as like okay. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Let's see. let me let me think about what I'm saying before I actually say it. That might be a good thing. Uh, all I've right, I got it. So I. I got it now. I understand what I'm saying. So I I see the secondary numbers, and I believe in them. I believe they'll bounce back at some point. But with a lot of those stuff, you're kind of looking at, like, like the same thing with, with Gibson. We've been looking at, like, his exit the entire year, which is like, oh, it's going to come down eventually. You know, the secondary numbers, they're going to do it. And it just hasn't uh, in that case. Uh, and I think he probably is one of the bigger, like, uh, guys there who you have got elite strikeout-to-walk numbers, even he's, uh, he's just been the hard contact has killed him, or at least not even be hard contact, but just like specific contact that's uh, getting hits. I'd like to see what like the X woba for all of them is, but I don't know if you can look that up. Uh, mainly because there's no like correlation between battles and hard hit percent. That's just not the point. Uh, and then in the case of Perez, like you take his most recent outing, he had a great strikeout to walk ratio, but then also gave up like 11 hits and a home run, and it's like that's going to nuke everything. So to some degree, I. I don't know how much positive regression is actually coming, but I feel like there should be a little bit. Yeah, and of course, there's always the factor. Probably doesn't play into it a whole lot, but there is something when you've got an outfield of Cave, Rosario, and Adrianza for about an entire series. You know, they're just throwing that out there. So, it's, yeah. you know, there is something to that. Of course, you can only put so much on the fielding, but when they have their outfield of Buxton, Kepler, and Rosario back that they haven't had since, like, it seems like mid-May at this point, which mm-hmm. can we we can't even say that they'll have that back with Kepler being hurt now, apparently, and Buxton just still working his way back. But, yeah, I mean, something about, you know, Audrey Downs in right field and Cave in center probably will hurt the pitching stats a bit, and that probably helps for the, the fifth number. But, uh, yeah. So, we never know unless you've got everyone back, but, I think they'll come back a little, like you said, but not to the point where they're just what they were doing at the beginning of the year. Maybe hopefully in the middle, but probably a little less than that still. I don't know. Yeah, I think they'll, they'll bounce. I don't, yeah, I obviously don't think they're going to be, you know, consistently ninth worst in baseball. I think, uh, even at their, at their, like, core, middle, whatever you want to say, they're, like, averages. I think they're probably still a top 10. All baseball, I think it might be more of a reflection of the status of starting pitching in baseball, but uh, I, I think they'll be fine eventually. It's just uh, until then, it feels like pulling teeth or something like that. It's just not fun to watch. Yeah, and we don't have his name written down on here, but I think the entire the, the entirety of the success for the starting rotation lies on Jose Barrios. Like Pineda and Rizzi, they're never going to be those you know, two just elite guys that can go there and get the job. I mean, they Pineda's been borderline elite for a few months now, but, I mean, he's not that guy you just look at and think of as the ace. You need Barrios to go out there and do what he was doing in the beginning for the Twins to really have a fighting chance come playoff time, I think. He's 
probably the X factor for them. Oh, certainly, certainly. He's the guy. I, I talk about my one of the my favorite words is like upside, and I look at the mm. upside and. Uh, Pineda has a great base where it's like, I, I swear on my life, he's going to go six innings every time. You can write that down. He's probably never going to, like, flame out at four, like Perez and Gibson sometimes do, but he will give you six. Odorizzi is kind of like that to a degree, somewhat less so, mainly because his numbers at third time are highly sus, so the fifth and sixth inning can get a little bit questionable. But none of them have, like, the complete game, eight inning, you know, seven innings dominant uh, upside that Barrios has. And he he's a bit more he can be a bit more flash in the panty compared to them, but just yeah, like what you said, there's no one else who you look at and you're like, we need seven innings of shutout ball. Who do I have faith in? You know, being able to actually accomplish that. It's pretty much just Barrios. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Pineda's been great, of course, and he'll continue to be great. Odorizzi will go give you five questionable innings and throw 130 pitches while taking four hours every time, but. <laughs> And but yeah, those two they'll be fine. You know you want them as your second and third guys in the playoff rotation with uh, Barrios heading it. But at this point, you can't really I I can't anyway really justify putting Barrios at the top unless he starts to improve again. Because at this point, it's he's not the best pitcher on the Twins. I mean that's you know I mean he has the stuff to be the best pitcher pitcher, but he's not pitching like the best pitcher at the moment. So yeah. in the playoff series, you know that's what it comes down to. I think. Well, that's a – we do have a question regarding that later. Mm-hmm. So maybe we shouldn't be talking about that, but – I tried to do it a little well. Point. Yeah, you tried it. Oh, you tried it. You were, you were edging onto it, so I had to, I had to cut that off. <laughs> but, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, moving on to the flip side of that in uh, some good news. Uh, much much maligned, much hated, much uh, crapped on Twins bullpen. Now, uh, you and I, last time we talked about here, I believe, we sat here, and in the face of all of this, you know, massive crap storm, we're like, we still think this bullpen is good. And it, as it turns out, we were right. Isn't that awesome? Uh, I have the number. Since the start of August, basically pretty much ever since the trade deadline, if you want to think of it that way, uh, no bullpen in MLB is better by F4 than the Twins. Uh, they have uh, sitting at two. The second place is at 1.7. No team has a lower FIP of 3.26, and no team is walking less than the Twins' bullpen, who is walking an astounding 1.88 per nine, while still striking out 9.33 per nine, which both of those are excellent numbers. This is still happening with an above-average BABIP of 3.36. They're even still getting a little bit unlucky, but yet they've been completely dominant, straight up. And we and we called this. Isn't that great? We predicted this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of course we did. We're the Two smartest guys, obviously. Who wouldn't come to us when? No, just kidding. We're, we're something. And uh, <laughs> yeah, when you've got a six through ninth inning of Dyson, Duffy, uh, Romo, Rogers, with um, Trevor May still waiting in the helm, and oh, Bruce Nargradrol and Zach Wattell have now been recalled. So that's about eight guys who will give you a fighting chance every time out. Like eight guys who would be in most major league bullpens are near the top of most major league bullpens. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking it because it's not just the the upside or like the the very top elite level, which is obviously headed by Rogers, Romo, and I'm I'm less inclined to say Dyson with the struggles with the, tw- oh, the Twins, but some other guys. However, you want to piece together. It's just the the pure depth you have down the line. We're like, okay, maybe uh, Duffy and May are out. So great, we'll replace them with. Uh, we'll have Romo, we'll have uh, Space Shack if we need it. 
we'll have Latell. You know, we, we have, like, the kind of next guy up sort of idea. And it was, it was like, the perfect example was, uh, I believe, oh, who went? I think it was uh, Gibson. No, it wasn't Gibson. Someone went five innings against uh, the White Sox. And we're like, okay, we need four innings out of the bullpen. And it went, uh, it went like Duffy, uh, Dyson, Romo. Actually, it went Dyson, Duffy, Romo, Rogers. And it's like, without even thinking about it, it was fine. They all went, they all did their stuff, four scoreless, two hits, you know, combined through four. And it was like, that's not something that was happening earlier in the year. But now they've just been blessed with this incredible death. They can do that and then still have like Trevor May sitting around in case they need him also. Um, so it's it's wonderful. And then throw in as Spacek and Dobnak have shown that they can um, they can play also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those two would even be in most major league bullpens. You'd think for sure, like the worst teams, they'd be a mid bullpen guy. I mean, mm-hmm. and when you go from at the beginning of the year for the first few months when you've had Rogers and then a, you know Duffy who was still kind of questionable at the beginning, and those were really your two guys. And Trevor May, he had a Everyone forgets he actually had a really good start to the year, so they had you know two to three guys who they could trust all year long, with Rogers really being the number one and the other two being kind of questionable, although both are great now. Good to have out there. They went from yeah. one to one to two guys that they could trust all year to having eight at this point, which is pretty outstanding and I don't you know not getting a ton of credit for because that's really hard to do and most teams have a horrible bullpen. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you know, when they start performing well, that's when, you know, one appreciates it naturally. That's how it goes. But I want to do it. I, I think it really has stemmed from uh, just two guys specifically stepping up, really, in Duffy and May. Just being able to – I mean, Duffy, the other day against Detroit, man, he looked good. Ten pitches, nine uh, strikes, three strikeouts. He's been doing this for a while now to the point where, like, he can come in, be a fireman, and I, I'm fully okay with that. I have full faith in him. And then Trevor May is just now a strikeout machine, just pumping 97 at the top of the zone. Like, have fun trying to hit this. You can't, by the way. So uh, just having those guys you know, being able to navigate uh, into the, the whatever sixth and seventh where we need them, headed it to then Romo in the eighth and then Rodgers in the ninth. And it's like, well, that's kind of game over, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, Duffy and May have definitely been the two to step up. Because, you know, we acquired the two uh, Dyson and Romo with you know, we knew we'd have three guys at the back end. We were all saying, well, from the seventh inning on, we'll probably shut them down. They'll be fine from there. But at this point, it's get to the fifth inning with the starter. Doesn't, you know, hope he gets through there. But if not, you've still got all these guys to clean it up. It's just a luxury a lot of teams don't have. And if the rotation could start stepping up once in a while here, be an elite baseball <laughs> team out there again. But, you know, it still is. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, naturally. Naturally, whenever that happens, then the bullpen's going to go to crap because that's how it goes. Can't have all three working at the same time. Should be a uh, all right. Just knocked on some wood. We're good. So, uh, move, moving on from us gushing about the bullpen, uh, talking about some injury news. There was some good, some bad. Uh, the good Byron Buxton was activated from the IL. Uh, he's going to be in a used in a limited role at this point, just a pinch running or defensive replacement. Like uh, in today's game, he came in in the ninth. So. Pretty limited, but still just nice having him back because well, I just like having him back. I he's like a he's like a safety blanket. Like whenever he's in, I just feel comfortable. Even just like <laughs> he's just like like Jesus take the wheel. He's like Matt, I got this. I'm like yeah, I know you do, Byron. I love you. So it's uh, nice having him back. Uh, the unfortunate bad news is uh, Gibson. We talked about on the IL with uh, ulcerative colitis, 
And he also uh, suffered from E. coli earlier in the year. I wonder if those two things are connected. I'm not a doctor. But just reading through some of the – man, I don't want to read it just because it's brutal. If you, ever want, if you want to Google it, fine by me. But it, it's basically just like – like one of the symptoms is just straight-up pain. It just says pain. So that kind of tells you where he's at. And uh, he was kind of – I don't know if he was talking about it, but I, I saw some stuff talking about it. It's like, well, yeah, it can just sap your energy. And it's very obvious how that could uh, affect a, a starting pitcher. You know, just – he's like 80 pitches through, and he might just be physically done just because he doesn't have it in him. And definitely seemed like it was affecting his pitching, so it would make sense. Uh, just hope he can get back healthy soon. Yeah, on Gibson, um, I saw that he was fighting through this for, like, his last few starts, and apparently he just had no energy or, like, no strength in his legs whatsoever, which is, for a pitcher, kind of a thing you need besides your right arm. So, <laughs> yeah, he didn't really have a fighting chance out there without that. And, you know, hopefully he gets healthy soon. Obviously, that's a horrible injury, or injury for him to have. And then on Buxton, as you said, with him just out there in center field, you just feel like the game's over and the Twins have a 90% better chance to win than when Jade Cave's on the ball. It's like, I love Jade Cave and everything, but Byron Buxton's an elite baseball player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can be game-changing in more ways than just at the plate. So that's, that's why uh, I think everyone loves him. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I think we're good there. Well, we're good, yeah. Not, I'm, I'm, I like it a lot more when there's not a whole lot of injury news to talk about. It's a lot more fun. Yeah, we're used to injury news taking 10, 15 minutes here. Kind of weird. Yeah, we got to talk about all this stuff and how these apply. Uh, it is what it is. But moving on, we have questions. We actually had a lot of questions, so cool stuff. Thank you, guys. Uh, <laughs> we like him. Let's see. Which one, to, which one should I start with? Easiest. Gonna, um, the easiest. All right. Let's see. Uh, so I assume you're going to go with uh, Tom's question then? Oh, geez, that was a hard one. I don't even know yet. But sure, let's start. That was awesome. Yeah. Ooh. All right, I'll save Tom's for last, and I'll, I'll start with the other one. So I'm going to go with the first one we got then chronologically. Uh, from Curtis Grover, I hope I said that right, uh, of the recent call-ups, who makes the postseason roster and who doesn't make it that is on the roster? So interesting question, and we've been talking about it. Uh, there's been a fair amount of confusion regarding uh, who can and cannot be on the roster because, of course, everyone's like, oh, if you're not on the 25-man uh, coming to September, you can't be. Technically, yes, but there's so many, like, IL injury replacement, like, kind of under-the-table shenanigans you can do to ensure that if you want a guy in the postseason roster, he's going to be on it. So, Adalberto Mondesi made his major league debut in the damn World Series, which is odd, but uh, it can't happen. So, I really think there's only two, maybe three guys with a legitimate shot at making the postseason roster. Uh, I'm going to say Ian Miller, as I mentioned before, with his uh, base-stealing ability. Say if Bruce Stark Ratterall, depending on how September goes, shows that he can dominate at the major league level, then they're definitely going to find some room for him. And kind of in the same vein, uh, Zach Littell, just because we've seen him do well, we've seen him pitch well. So if, I don't know, another reliever starts not performing, then might see Littell replace him on the postseason roster. So those were my three. I didn't, if I'm being honest, I don't see a whole lot of, like, potential for anyone else doing anything. I don't know about you. No, I'm with you. I don't see Wade making it as to deal. Probably, I mean, he might make it just as, like, an injury replacement, gets to travel with the team or something. Smelter won't. Stewart won't. I have Latell and Gratterall making it. I don't think Ian Miller will. I mean, 
I don't who who do you have Ian Miller taking the spot of on a twenty five man playoff roster if you know? Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's the question. I was kind of like I said Miller, but then when I was thinking about him, like in practice, because you need two catchers. You got Garver and Castro. You're gonna have Marwin. You're gonna have Adrianza, and then really your only thing is like, do we forego uh, having Cave as the straight up fourth outfielder uh, in the guy mm-hmm. that can actually you know hit off the bench? Because then you're kind of like, because Miller has never played in the majors, so we don't know whether that plays, and we know Cave that plays in the majors, so that's kind of the question. And you also have to consider there's no, uh, it's not going to be, a, it's going to be a four-man rotation. Then there's an open spot where they use that on a bullpen, where they use that an extra bench. That's, I don't know, but I think they might find a way. It, they obviously don't value stolen bases a whole lot, but we know in the postseason, uh, just stolen bases can be more important, so that's why I think they'll do something to find that. Yeah, I suppose, but I just don't see it because I don't think they'll go from the team that hasn't stolen any bases all year and just hits home runs. To <laughs> you, I mean, of course, this is different, but using the guy to steal the base when your whole team can just, I mean, hit the ball over the fence when they've got to do it instead of taking a risk of getting it out. I mean, maybe it'll matter in a one-run game in, like, one of the five games here, but I think I'm picking Cave over him just because Cave can actually hit. Miller will not be taking at-bats in the postseason no matter what, I don't think. So if yeah. I had to pick one of those two, I would take Cave. Nice. Interesting. Cave, and Cave does still have a bit of speed. Probably not enough mm-hmm. where you're just like, let's uh, have him run every time. Uh, definitely less than Miller, but uh, it's interesting. It's probably, it'll probably be an interesting conversation. I might, we might actually have that be like the Twitter poll to keep Cave or Miller. Yeah, and I think we might have to give that a few weeks in itself because, I mean, Miller's never even, he's never been up in the majors. We have to see how his speed even plays against, like, major league catching. And if, I mean, how fast is, I, I don't know, is he as fast as Byron Buxton? I don't, I don't know, probably not, but. Okay, well, you know, no one is, so well, that's you know, unfair. But in, in the <laughs> yeah. top tier of fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a fair question. So we might have to wait a little bit and just spit ball mm-hmm. here, but. That's what I was thinking. Uh, moving on, next question we have uh, from Devlin Clark, Ultimate Twins fan, otherwise known as. Uh, what do you think of my idea to have a playoff rotation that is Pineda, Odorizzi, and Barrios in that order? Pineda has been most consistent. Odorizzi will toss a lot of pitches, but keeps him in the game, and Barrios versus a number three starter, he has the advantage. So this is a really interesting mm-hmm. idea, and it's somewhat in the vein of what uh, you've been pushing, at least as far as yeah. Pineda is number one. I I'm gonna I'm gonna say now, I am I'm on board right now with Pineda as the number one. I'm finally gonna admit it. He finally pushed me over the edge. Uh, and yeah, I know, I, whatever, celebrate and whatnot. So like that. Where it really gets interesting is having Oda Rizzi as number two instead of Barrios, because uh, I, I the idea of Barrios better as number three starter, yes, but then also Oda Rizzi is gonna be a lot worse against the number two starter. <laughs> So it's kind of like there's a give and take there, and I don't I don't know if I like Barrios in the three. I like Barrios in the two more, and then having Odorizzi do your three. I think in in theory those that's my top three. I don't I don't think I like Odorizzi as the two. All right, and to me, when I saw this question come in, this was probably the greatest thing I've ever seen. This was wonderful. I mean, like exactly what I said last time we did this. But yeah, yeah, I'm with you. We said uh, Odorizzi would probably be a lot worse than the number two. I mean, if we're playing the Yankees here, he's probably at least evenly matched, if not 
you know, he's probably even with whoever they're putting out for game two. The Astros, you're never going to match up with their game two starter, no matter who you're throwing out there at this point. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you can, I mean, unless uh, Barrios gets back to his form, getting older is he to guarantee you like five or five innings, three earned runs at the least, or at least to go out there and give you his best effort, which is, you know, could be two innings, eight runs, but which would be less than ideal. I'm counting on five innings, three and runs from Odorizzi, and offense do its job there, most likely against the Yankees. So, I mean, if you like, I don't know if I like Barrios against the Yankees right now, really at all. I'd rather have him at home in game three than I would in game two on the road. So, yeah, there's my take, well, actually. It's kind of a coin well, play, really, with those two. I guess that, that depends a lot, then, on who has the home field advantage and whatnot. And then what team you're facing? Because usually the Yankees, my mind, my mind went straight to Houston, where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, so you got Jake Oder, you're going to throw Jake Odorizzi out against either Verlander or Cole. Hmm. I, not that throwing well, him out against you know Grinky is any better, yeah. but uh, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm like, I'm shaking just thinking about that. I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, of course, but I also don't like Barrios in that spot. I don't even like Pineda in that spot. I don't like anyone in that spot. It's just, you know, I mean, well, who do you honestly think is going to give you a better shot, Barrios or Odorizzi? And, I mean, I guess you're still on Barrios a little bit, but until I see more from him down the stretch, I'm with Odorizzi in my game two against Garrett Cole, but I think it'll be Twins-Yankees. That's kind of how it's shaping up, I think, so with the Twins on the road to start. I don't even want to consider that possibility. Let's Would you rather face Houston? Get all that then. I'd a hundred percent rather face Houston, even though they're the better team. I, really? I do not care. For the life of me, I do not want to face the Yankees. What? Really? I don't care. You, you know why? Everyone listening here knows why. I do not have to explain why. I don't think because they beat the two thousand six to ten Twins or something. I mean, it's a bit of a different team now, though. How did they, how'd they do against the 2019 Twins? You want to answer that question? You know, how, I guess we – okay, so we we beat Houston this year, but, you know, they've got a rotation of Garrett Cole, Verlander, and uh, Zach Grinke with a lineup of, you know, stars everywhere. They have a team OPS of – you know, it was their uh, top four of the five guys in team OPS since the All-Star break were Houston Astros, and then it was Nelson Cruz. I mean, if you want to face that lineup with this – three of the most elite starters in baseball and again, or take your chances against the Yankees, who you were pretty competitive with during the season, and they really, I mean, the Twins offense matches up pretty well against the Yankees pitching, I'd say. So that's, you know, that's what I'm going with here. Okay, again, again though, you could take the exact same players and just swap uniforms. I would not care. Okay? You, you understand what's happening here. I Yes, I would rather take the top three. I'd rather... You know, roll the dice with whatever baseball BS could happen against the Houston Astros versus the ungodly shit show that's going to be whatever happens when they play the Yankees. That is that's just where I'm at. Oh, man. The only thing happening against Houston is the Twins getting swept. I'm facing the Yankees 100%. Hopefully, the wild card team beats the Astros somehow, and then we're going to play them and somehow. Oh man, Twins Yankees are the here. Let's go here. Man, who won the season series between the Twins and the Astros? Oh, well, let me think about that one. Actually. Really, you think that you think that matters whatsoever? 
No, it doesn't matter, obviously, and they've gotten way better since then. But the Orioles and Indians, I don't know, probably the Indians actually, but Orioles beat them twice. No, the Indians. The Indians. My my point. (laughs) No, no. I mean, you bring up a decent point because they did roast them in two games uh, in Baltimore. So I mean, that that is true. But it's uh, it's more just. I know this can be a random sport, and I know that weird stuff happens, and weird stuff especially happens in the playoffs. I just would 100% like mentally feel better about myself having weird stuff happen against Houston compared to weird stuff happening against New York, all things given. Well, I'm more on the positive side, because mentally I'd much rather beat the Yankees than beat the Astros, because it'd be a lot more fun. And, uh... I feel like I've been hearing that same line of thought for the last 10 years, and it still hasn't happened, so. You know, you know, different team, different regime, different everything here, so let's give it a go. Different team, and they, different team, and they still took the season cherry. Who cares ah, about that? Uh, you know what? They could have gotten swept, and I'd still I take twin Yankees. Jeez. It's, I don't know how this happened, and you've become the optimist now. This is the weirdest thing. <laughs> yeah, baseball's a weird sport, I guess. I can't Houston, maybe Houston. maybe that's that is the interesting question I think that's the Twitter poll. Would you rather face Houston or the Yankees? Mm, yeah, that'll that'll be it. So we yeah, right now I like the weekly Twitter poll we got going here. Yeah, we should do that. But uh, we're not on the next question. As I said, I'll save time for later. This is a really interesting question. Uh, I've actually been thinking about this this week uh, from uh, JD Cameron. Predict the 2020 Twins rotation, assuming the following: Brios. No Perez, no Gibson. You're calling Odo slash Pineda, one of the quad A guys. Uh, sounds really bossy. Do whatever you want. Curious on thoughts and free agent and trades, uh, starting pitching, I guess. So I've been thinking about this, kind of the same thought. Uh, you know, we shouldn't be, like, moving on to 2020 yet. But it's definitely, like, been some of my mind. You know, how is the rotation going to flesh itself out? Because, really, it's just Barrios under control and then an option with Perez. And I'm going to have to fly to Minneapolis and beat uh, Derek Falvey myself if he picks up that option. Um, so it's really just Barrios, and beyond then, it's kind of like, how are you going to mold and shape it? So I think you'd very much agree with me. I'd like to see Pineda back. I'd give him two years. I, I don't I don't want money right now, but I'd like him back for two years. I think we can agree on that. Uh, so Pineda, in my in my 2020 rotation, Pineda's back. Odorizzi, I wouldn't mind getting back. I don't think he should be, like, a top guy, or at least close to top. He should be two He's more suited for three or four, so I wouldn't mind having him back. Just, I don't know. Good starting pitching is rare nowadays. So uh, I'd get him back, probably similar kind of concept, two years. Wouldn't mind that. Uh, and then after that, it gets interesting because you have the free agents and you have, like, a bevy of quad eight guys uh, who are, you know, could be potentially vying for a rotation spot. So piecing together some things. I'm going to say I think that they sign in free agency Zach Wheeler uh, from the Mets. They were interested in him um, during the trade deadline. That trade never came through, but they were interested in him. I'm interested in him, so I think they sign him. And then flesh it out with one more quad A guy, and my best guess there would be Lewis Thorpe. So that is my 2020 Twins rotation. You have Jose Barrios, Michael Pineda, Jake Odorizzi, Zach Wheeler, and Lewis Thorpe. I don't know about you, but that's where I went. Well, hang on. I mean, the question here was, oh, your call on Odo. So I thought it, we could. I thought it was we could only pick one of Odo and Pineda. Oh. Huh. Oh. Well. Okay. Well, if it is one, then I choose Pineda. But I'm choosing two, so I'm cheating. Okay. Well, I went. I went and made a trade during this. 
Uh, so my rotation, just for fun, because why the heck not? I went yeah. Barrios as my number one. Pineda is the guy I'm signing back on a two-year deal. I think Odorizzi actually gets a much larger deal than we're thinking, you know, not an old guy, kind of middle, middle-aged, middle even quality starter. He'll get a pretty large deal. I don't know if the Twins want to spend it on him, but someone else will, for sure. Um, so I got Barrios, Pineda in there, and I got Lewis Thorpe as the quad A guy. And they're going to go hey. with yeah, so, obviously, because we really like Lewis Thorne. Then I've got mm-hmm. them signing uh, Tanner Roark to a short-term deal, 33 years old. Always had a ERA, low fours. You know, just a guy that would fit on the Twins, One of the someone they'd sign just because, you know, he's there and that's what they do. So, yeah, that's my signing. And the trade is someone we both kind of uh, talked about earlier in the year. And there's been a lot of Eddie Rosario trade talk, you know. They're going to trade him. Trade him to the Cincinnati Reds. Get back our guy, Sonny Gray. See, you know, that wouldn't be the only guy in the deal, of course. But sure, that's what I made up. Go get Sonny Gray. Give him Rosario and a few more. Why not? Hmm. Interesting. I wouldn't mind that. I don't think the Reds would do that, though, with how they're, you know, building. Although I'm not quite sure how they're building. It's just they're building. So have good luck with that. Seems like they're shooting for a 2020 some sort of 2020 push, especially with the acquisition of Trevor Bauer. But, I mean, I, I like Gray. I wouldn't mind that conceptually. I just don't know. I don't think it happens in practice. Yeah, I mean, I was just, you know, going off. They've got a lot of guys, yeah. good guys in the rotation already, don't have a ton of great outfielders. So I just mm-hmm. rolled with trade for Sonny Gray here, give him a Zario and someone else, and there you go. It probably won't happen, but just for fun. You know, it's funny when you said a uh, guy we talked about earlier. Uh, my first thought was Matt Boyd instead of Sonny Gray, Ooh. actually. I thought you were going to go with him. He is an interesting – and it's still the uh, season numbers. My God, his Gary keeps going up. It's damn near five at this point. But yet, I'm still, like, enamored by the strikeout rate. I'm still enamored by, you know, his peripherals. And, again, I keep coming back to if Houston wants a, a starting pitcher, then I'm interested in that starting pitcher, you know. I'm – it, it seems obvious to me that he, Boyd has capabilities to become a top-tier starter. Uh, I just don't think it's happening in Detroit. I don't think they're finding out what works for him and using him to his best potential. So I'd be, I don't think they do it just because Detroit's really dumb and they do dumb things. So I don't think they trade within the division. But very much be interested in bringing him in, having him work with our guys, and just you know finally unlocking his potential and being the true Matt Boyd. Plus, he still has, like, two or three years of team control after that, so that would be really awesome to have a starter for more than just a year. Yeah, and they've been talking about that they want a guy under team control still, so, you know, Rosario, I guess, we're going to keep throwing that name out like I was here, but that's what, you know, I've heard it on Twitter, so if that was actually going to be true, uh, you know, there we go. Um it would work. But, yeah, so I'd, I'd like Matt Boyd. I wouldn't be surprised if the Tigers dealt him. I don't know if it'd be to the Twins just because they didn't have this deadline. And, you know, I mean, he obviously is getting worse, so maybe they'll wait till the next deadline to see if he does good again. But never know with the Tigers, honestly. they're not, I don't know what the Tigers are at this point. Just don't expect anything out of them ever. So, yeah. We're just going to reach like a perpetual cycle of them realizing that he's no longer at his top potential then waiting for his potential, or his like value to go up, and then it never does. Like, are we just going to continuously be? Because I feel like this last trade, like trade deadline, was when he was at his height. Like, 
so many teams were thirsty for starting pitchers. This was before, like, the gradual decline of everything. And yet they still held on to him. And I, for life me, can't figure out why they did that. And yet they're still now probably like, oh, shit, I don't know about that. As he goes out and allows three home runs a game, he gives up five over six, the strikes out ten. They're just like, well, now what? Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. He's a, maybe he's just a first-half pitcher, and they've they got to deal him, you know, get what they can get out of it, but I don't know. It'd be interesting, either of those guys, really. So, yeah, my rotation. There you go. So, a few different answers there, but some interesting ones. And then finally, uh, the question everyone is waiting for, uh, the best asker of questions, of course, Tom Froming. <laughs> uh, if you could spend a day at the State Fair with any Twins player or personality, past or present, who would it be and why? Uh, you know, I, I thought about this one, and it, I'm being honest, it literally took me all of, like, one minute for me to get to my answer, just because I thought it was so perfect. And I'm like, I yes, I can see what's happening. So I went with uh, Mr. Jim Tomey. Hmm. Uh, of course, he was not on the team for too long. But my, my line of thought was I feel like Tomey is, first of all, he's you know he's got stories for days. He's got, you know, like, oh, let me no, let me tell you about when this happened. And it's like just random stories. And I'm, I've just been watching the entire time like, oh, my God, that's so interesting. And not only that, though, I feel like, He'd be the perfect candidate just be like, oh, okay, you wait here. And then he, like, comes back with, like, arms full of food. And he's like, all right, here you go. And it was like, oh, where'd you get all this stuff? And he's like, oh, I'll never tell my secrets. And then you just, like, mow down on, like, an ungodly amount of deep fried food. And you just, you don't ask where he got it from, but he just knew where to get it. I feel like that is Jim Tomey. And that's why I would love to go to the fair with him. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. I went with. Um, my favorite player since he made his debut to this day, to today still, and that's Mr. Brian Dozier himself. I went with, you know, a past twin, of course, Nationals now, but I think he's just someone who's going to be great to just spend a day with. He seems just like the most fun kind of guy, just chill, and he probably knows the best food around. He, he just seems like the guy that would know where to go and what to do. That's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm a big Brian Dozier guy. I'd definitely do that. <laughs> All right. I feel like I feel like we both chose players with very similar like energies in that in that sort of way. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I actually, I wish yeah. wish we could have done like a double. It would have been awesome to just be like have Dozier and Escobar because just oh, imagine man. the shenanigans that would ensue. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Be like, I'm gonna bring both these guys and just see where it goes from there. Just hang around them and probably get into, it'd be just wonderful. It'd be great. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that would be great. So, interesting. That's an interesting question. Uh, shout out to Tom for asking good questions. Uh, none of them are ever related to baseball, but they're always the best questions. They're like related to baseball, but not, but still not. It's like it yeah. doesn't make sense. It's like if this person was a food, what was last week? If Adrianza was a food or something? <laughs> yeah, he'd be a Taco Bell. Remember? Yes. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> what a butter. Yeah, butter and Taco Bell. So we thought of. <laughs> so, great questions, excellent questions. Thank you guys. We need to continue to have good questions. Big fan of them. And uh, one of the the best topics, one of the best subjects every week happens every mm-hmm. week. Uh, hey, hey, Cooper, I got I got a question for you. Yeah. Uh, did Martin Perez do his job? A resounding no on this one, actually. 
surprisingly. He was really? a few starts. Really? But the last one, just horrific. 2.2 of things, just seven earned runs, eight total. Everything went wrong that could have possibly gone wrong. I mean, you know, we went to, uh, me and you, we went to a game with AJ, Andrew, uh, John, and got to see Martin Perez pitch. He did pretty good. And we all thought, you know, maybe this is, he's all right now. And, you know, I mean, I did. I thought he might be okay. Then he went out and did another little clunker like he's been doing for a while. And so I'm back on the train that you've been on for a while of just, you know, mowing down anyone that ever has any respect for Martin Perez. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, I'm glad you're you're back with me because you're right. We were at that game. He went six, uh, was six innings, two and runs, and I'm like, yeah. okay, that's a great start. He's not going to do it again, but that's a great start. Thank you. Uh, and then and of course back three weeks in a row. That's why I, I said it. And guess, and guess what? I was eventually correct. How about that? You were one for four. You were one for four on saying that. Happens. I I was not one for. Let let me let me tell you something. They said they were unsustainable starts, and they were unsustainable. You can't walk more than you strike out and expect that to work out. Doesn't right. happen. Doesn't happen. So we're you back on this. Uh, okay. How <laughs> dare you bring that back in here? How dare you? Again? Um, Unpromo- un- unprovoked. And he's back out here dissing my man, Stewart. I can't believe this. Um. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to the energy at, at hand. Talking about Martin Perez, I, I, I still, I've, I, I said I've been on record. The, the Braves game was the last draw for me. I was like, all right, I'm done. It's just, it's not happening again. It's not coming back. He's back where he was. In fact, his, uh, his Twins ERA is now higher than his Rangers ERA. So that's where we're at right now. Uh, what's, what's his ERA? Uh, right now as it stands. Oh wait, you mean 2018 Rangers ERA or just career? Uh, career ERA. Okay. Actually, okay. you know what's funny? Let me let me pull this up. I didn't have it up on um, Fangraphs, so allow me to like, you know, use a bunch of filter words so I can eventually get to it as it loads. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, two stat lines, okay? So I'm gonna give you his FIP uh, or his ERA, FIP, and XFIP. So ERA 4.89, FIP 4.58, XFIP 4.61. Now I'm going to give you a second set of numbers. ERA 4.67, FIP 4.46, XFIP 4.52. So the first set of numbers are his 2019 year with Twins, and the second set are his career numbers. So to to uh, to quote uh, a known, um, uh, a well-known head coach, uh, he was who we thought he was, mm-hmm. and uh, we let him have it. He is. I mean, it's pretty much it. Those are remarkably similar numbers, with all within of like point two of each other. And so, he, he granted uh, the 2019 um, uh, scoring and you know ERA and FIP, it's a little bit off of what you'd expect. By but I believe average ERA is up by like point four or whatever. So do with that what you may. But his career numbers are remarkably similar to where they're at to the, uh, to this point this year. So you're like, you know. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. He's just back to being normal. Yeah. There's all the hype about the twins and Wes Johnson fixing him, but it's really just like putting a piece of duct tape over an exploding pipe and it'll hold it for a few weeks without you know, well not really a few minutes, but after that it it's all done. Like Martin Perez there. Yeah. It didn't really yeah, like, like a little bit. Like Yeah, like a month. <laughs> Remember 
was it eight shot out against Houston Astros, and we're all just like, oh my god, this is actually happening. Yeah, do you remember that? And, uh, that was in, Jose Altuve was like saying he's an all new pitcher, like the greatest thing he's ever seen. Now he's just the Rangers oh. Perez again. Oh, now it's just back. It's just been that. It was weird. It seemed almost instantaneous. Like, you just had one bad outing, and then just everything since then has been that. With, like, one good start against Tampa in there. Actually, I believe it was the bad start against Tampa that kicked everything off. But then you had one good start against Tampa. And basically between the bad start against Tampa and now, it's just been, like, varying degrees of mediocrity to crap to whatever. It just hasn't been good. Yeah. And, it, you know, I've, at this point, it's probably not going to get a whole lot better. He probably has five starts left in the year. And, I mean, unless they start going with Thorpe or someone else out of there, it's not going to get a whole lot better from here. Well, you already know. I would have I would have taken away his rotation spot two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. You already knew that. So. Oh, yeah. The fact, the fact that that hasn't happened yet, it's highly sus, but whatever. Moving on to prospects slash minor league stuff. The seasons are coming to a close. A lot of the final uh, regular season games will end tomorrow, Monday, or today, Monday, whenever this goes up. Uh, and then there will be two regular, uh, two postseason uh, appearances by the teams. Pensacola made the playoffs, and Cedar Rapids made the playoffs, so they'll still be playing. Unfortunately, Fort Myers also made the playoffs, but both Fort Myers and GCL leagues were canceled due to the incoming hurricane. Apparently, it's not close enough in the vicinity of Pensacola, so they're still playing, which is cool. That's kind of neat. But uh, the FSL and GCL leagues are canceled, so uh, pretty much after this week, it's just going to be however deep uh, the Colonels and the Blue Wahoos go in the playoffs, and then beyond that, the minor league is in the over. It's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, as a guy who you know, started trying to pay attention to the minor leagues somewhat successfully, I mean, I can successfully say it'll be and refreshing to not have to pay 13 bucks a, a month to minor league baseball for a few months here. No, just kidding. Everything's good. <laughs> but, yeah, the minor league season, it's it's good. And Rochester did not make the playoffs, which means we will be getting to see Jorge Alcala soon in the big leagues, which is what I'm really focused on here. Oh, that's what you're focused on. Jorge Alcala. I suppose we could kind of talk about that because there were – uh, they did mention that we're going to see waves of call-ups, and that's not surprising because you don't want to poach the entire pitching staff in Rochester. They still got placing games. <laughs> crying out loud, you don't want to do that. But then after uh, either Monday or Tuesday, whenever their last game is, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Just men on, we could see Hildenberger, we could see Romero, we could see Alcala, though with Alcala, a 40-man move has to be made. Uh, outside chance, you see, like, uh, Gonzalez, uh, which is probably another name out there I'm forgetting, but there's a, there's a lot of potential arms, especially, that could be up here. So, it'll be interesting. Yeah, two main ones, I'd say. He'll be Hildenberger and Alcala, with Romero just kind of slotting back there. Probably not going to do much this year, but Hildenberger could push for a playoff spot. I mean, I doubt he gets one, but he could be a Hildenberger of old, and if we get that, that'd be, that'd be great. And Alcala's been great since going to the bullpen down in double-A, down in triple-A, and hopefully in the majors within coming days. He'd have to open a 40-man spot, which is no guarantee he'll be up here for that. So hopefully they can find a way, but I guess don't count on it. I was just kind of throwing it out there to get this conversation started, but not a guarantee for him. Well, it is interesting that they did uh, promote him to Rochester at the same time as Gratterall. They kind of – I don't know if that was timing with them, like, thinking he was uh, finally ready for AAA or more so them prepping him 
for the major leagues as they were uh, Gratterall. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if they did simply because it feels like they've already tipped their hand as far as that goes. But maybe. Mm-hmm. that Opening up that 40-man spot is really where things get dicey because you kind of look through and you're like, well, beyond like 60 ing Nick Gordon, there really isn't a whole lot of obvious potential moves. Yeah, so I guess. I can see it happening. Maybe if the bullpen wasn't, you know, the depth it currently has with eight guys who can win you a game at this point. I mean, maybe they consider it more, but I mean, it it could still happen. They're, they could very likely put Gordon on the 60 and bring him up, so you never know. Yeah. Maybe. So, uh, the last point I want to talk about as far as prospects, uh, we have the Twins Daily Minor League Awards coming up soon. Uh, I'll have to send in my ballot before Tuesday. And then I don't know when that article will go up, but it'll be fun. There's a lot of things we could talk about regarding that. Uh, but I have my ballot here. I wrote it up, typed it up. I'm going to be going over uh, my hitter of the year and pitcher of the year. Uh, I'm not going to talk about short season hitter of the year, short season pitcher of the year, and the minor league all-star team, so it would take entirely too long. But for the sake of uh, transparency and just because I think it would be an interesting topic to talk about, I have my list. So I don't. did you do a list, or is it just me? I uh, I just got a list going right now, so I've got it ready. It's pretty good. Okay. You go first, though. Oh, okay. All right. Well, you've got it. So uh, let's start with pitcher of the year. I think this will be interesting. So for me, and my, I'm going to go over my top five. I'll just, like, talk about my one and then just, like, name off the rest of the five without talking as much. But uh, for me, I was considering pretty much straight performance without a whole lot of, like, prospect status. And I also didn't really consider, like, performance at that level. Like, I didn't weigh a guy killing AAA as much as, like, I didn't weigh, if a guy did well at AAA, I didn't weigh that more than a guy doing well at, uh, like, high A or something. Just because I feel like I wanted to consider their performances in comparison to their peers. So, I I try to basically just make it, like, as level of a playing field as possible, in my uh, my view. So, my number one, my pitcher of the year, it's Bailey Ober. Uh, who just had a ridiculous year. Unfortunately, didn't get a whole lot of innings due to injury, but a .71 ERA between uh, Fort Myers and Pensacola with a 1.54 FIP comes with a 11.54 K per nine and a, just a 1.07 walk per nine. It was just absurd. It was ridiculous to the highest level. So I, I there's no way I couldn't give it to Ober in my eyes. I'm like, I got to give it to Ober, pure performance-wise. Uh, my number two ended up being Balazovic. Uh, my number three, uh, Jordan Balasovic, that is. Uh, three was Cole Sands. Four was Johan Duran. And five was Luis Rijo. So that was my top five. All right. So, yeah, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'll do pitching now. Um, so I went with three pitchers on my list. Number one for me was just a guy who came out. He gave out his, uh, he gave his best effort whenever he was here. He was just always doing well. I kind of tip my hand to you on this. Um, Cody Allen, just an outstanding year for this guy. Came in, All right, you're did his job. You're meeting. Did his job and no loss. Couldn't, couldn't get anyone out. No. Couldn't hit 93, but it was good. So, yeah, I was happy to see him try to succeed down there. So It's always fun. I, re- um, I regret all my life decisions that led up to this point, all of them. My number two pitcher of the year for the minor league who has to go to um, uh, Carlos Torres because – what a wonderful guy. He got called up, did not pitch, despite just doing outstanding down there, and was released. But he did follow me on Twitter, so he instantly gets put on this list for that, you know, minor league pitcher of the year, number two. And so, finally, I'm going to have to go with 
my final minor league pitcher of the year. And that's just someone who was, been here, was here for about two years. And just an outstanding player. Um, never had an ERA above uh, eight, I don't or Yeah, or below. Um, never had a good, he was never good. Addison Reed never really did anything for this team. And he deserves them a solid recognition for what he provided to the Twins over these couple of years. Those are my three best pitchers for the minor leagues this season. Alright, I, I legitimately do regret every single decision that is looking up to this point. I, there's so many mistakes in your life you look back at and you wonder how you got to this point, and uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Uh, oh, man. I've made a lot of them. I wish I could delete 13 episodes of podcasting uh, <laughs> just so this moment could never happen. You need a little throwback to those three guys who got talked about this year but never really, never really did much. Well, Torres is a good guy overall. I like him. I think if you actually submitted that, uh, I think Seth would come over to your house and beat your ass himself. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So, did you also do a hitter of the year like memeing, or was that like was that completely off the cusp? Um, I did a hitter of the year MVP. Just some appreciation for someone here. Okay, so you actually, man, you you expended a lot more energy than you really did need to. The trolling did yeah, not absolutely. take this much. You know, this is someone. Okay. This, I'm going to go. Um, infielder for Rochester, Drew Maggie here. He is my team MVP. He has been in the minor league since age 21, and he is now 30. He deserves some solid recognition here for just pulling through. The guy has an OPS in the mid-700s every single year. He's just, he's just doing his thing down there. He's just playing. He's having fun. 30 years old, you know, holding down the middle infield for the Red Wings, despite everyone else getting called up, and you just got to appreciate that. What a solid player down there. My MVP is Drew Maggie. Maggie. Is it Maggie? Yeah. This is Drew Maggie, yeah. Uh, Drew Maggie, yep, didn't even know his name, but he's my MVP. <laughs> okay, well, um, so now that you've made a complete and utter farce of everything, <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to, like, Exit out of that. I'm not going to talk about my haters of the year because uh, it wouldn't. You've, po- you've already poisoned that well as far as you that know, goes. Imagine if Drew Maggi listens to this and he never hears his name until now. He's going to be like, wow, it's pretty good because someone finally recognized him for his 10 years down in the minor league. So congrats to him on just keeping it going. Maybe he'll get called up next year. Imagine if literally anything else happened because it's not happening. Wow, geez. All just right. imagine. Just imagine. Okay. Well, after that, uh, I don't even know where to go from there. Actually, I do. I'm doing looking ahead. I'm going to try to ignore that you ever talked. So, we have, it's a, kind of a weird week coming up. Uh, we've mentioned it before with the series technically not ending, technically ending. There's one more at Detroit on Monday. Immediately after that, and there's three at Boston and three at home versus Cleveland. Um, so the Detroit game, I believe Oda Rizzi starting that one against Jordan Zimmerman. It's like another very winnable game. If they win that, then you're looking at a six-game lead in the division, which is pretty sweet. Heading into three at Boston, three versus Cleveland. Uh, at Boston is interesting. Boston's not – they're still in the playoff race. They're not doing too hot, and they've lost sale for the rest of the year. So they still feel like a team you can prey on. And then three at home versus Cleveland is going to be massive no matter – I mean, uh, you don't need me to tell you that. But it's going to be uh, an important series where you can just hold them off, kind of just 
play the waiting game. Just wait as uh, the magic number goes down and as the, the games left that have to potentially come back also go down. So that'll be coming up next week. Yeah, and if the Twins can just go 3-3 three and three against or 500 against Cleveland the rest of the way out here, they'll be just fine. I mean, they'll win the division if they can go at least 500 the rest of the way out for sure because if that in that case, then they'd have to play five and a half games better on all the other games. So just go 500 against Cleveland here and you'll be set to win the division. Like, with how many games are left, it's going to be hard to blow this lead, which Twitter will tell you it's the most Minnesota thing to do for them to blow this lead, but it's going to be difficult. And, I mean, I expect them to at least go 500 or at least one under 500, which would still be just fine. I think they'd be able to hold it with the schedule they have remaining. So just hold your own against Cleveland at this point. And, you know, I mean, hope you win more, obviously, but not even, it's gotten to the point where you've built yourself enough of a lead to, you know, be able to relax a bit, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, really, it's just hold your own against everyone, Cleveland, Boston, mm-hmm. and Washington. Just hold your own against them, and then once you beat up on the, the four teams, you're like, well, I mean, just the waiting game. It's all it is at this point. Yeah, I mean, they've been roughly a 500 team against teams over 500 all year, so just finish that out. Uh, both Washington and Boston are playing some of their best baseball all year, but so are the Twins, so it should be a couple good series, and Cleveland, you know, they haven't been great in their last couple of weeks, so see if you can catch that wave. They've now lost uh, Jose Ramirez and Tyler Naquin for the season, two of their key core players, and Kluber will most likely not be pitching, I don't think, this year. And But Carrasco's back. He will be pitching on the bullpen this year. He actually came in today, but they have two core pieces in their lineup gone after they added two really good pieces, so it's really just back to kind of the same amount of uh, threat as it was earlier in the year. Also, I believe uh, Kipnis left uh, one of the games earlier with an injury. Oh. I don't think I heard uh, the diagnosis on that, but that's something else to keep in mind. Okay. Wow. Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland getting hurt yeah, bad they're, now, so. They're losing parts. They're, uh, I've been, you know, looking at the numbers. Their starting rotation recently has just been phenomenal. It's been, like, the best in baseball by some metrics. Uh, but then their offense starting to kind of cool down, which I saw happening. I didn't think they were going to – I didn't think their offense was actually that good. It was improved, certainly, over the beginning. But the beginning was, like, literally almost historically bad. And then suddenly they got, like, really, really good, arguably better than the Twins, which I didn't think was sustainable. So it's kind of passable now, but then the big blows with Ramirez, Naquin, and now potentially uh, Kipnis really make it small. And then uh, one of the the bigger things also is now their bullpen is finally – breaking down, as I said it was going to happen. I didn't think their bullpen was that good. And uh, their August numbers, uh, I believe they were the yeah, they were 15th best bullpen by F4 in August. The walk rate has gone up. The strikeouts have gone down. And uh, it's it's no longer looking like uh, the bullpen of the first few months or whatever. Yeah, before the year we were all kind of saying this bullpen wasn't going to be strong at all, probably going to be their weakest link, but... It didn't turn out at all, and it took them about four months for their bullpen to actually come back to the mean like everyone thought they would. And I mean, glad it's happening now of all times, of course, but it really only, I mean, Brad Hands out there, he's been horrible lately, except for he's gotten back on track a bit, but they don't have any of, all of their guys have kind of been struggling at the worst time for them. So yeah, and like what you yeah. said there. Yeah, well, with them, it was always like they had a lot of guys who fit specific roles perfectly. But if you ever had to make them go off script, it was just a total mess. They just they just couldn't do it. If you're like, okay, we need 
we have a one-run lead. We need Adam Simber. Uh, what's his What's his name? We need Nick Whitgren, and mm-hmm. we need you know all of these guys. You know, we need uh, who's Who's that guy? He's been around. Tyler Clifford. We need We need mm-hmm. them to come in and shut down a lineup for three innings. Uh, it, it's not happening. If you need him to get like an out or two, that can happen. But to be purely dominant, uh, they just it wasn't happening. And now that they've kind of been forced in these situations where they have to do it, surprise, surprise, they're not doing it well. So it's a it'll be a good time to prey on that. So yeah. they come into town. Yeah, they can hold their own against Detroit and Kansas City. But then when you know Tampa Bay rolls into town, or they actually went to Tampa Bay, but you know they you know <laughs> kind of blow up because. It's a good team that they have to face. Yeah, what, what a what a shock! Although I don't think we have much room to be talking about that Twins record against good teams, but still, mm-hmm. still the same idea. <laughs> so yeah, but, uh, believe this has been Actually, uh, the end. The, oh, oh, do we not? Are we not at the end of the episode? I just got your invisible ink rolled into me. So you want to hear oh. it? Really? Uh, shoot, I guess sure. It's kind of a good way to end, not really a hard thinker. It's just what has been the most amazing moment to write about this season, including postseason 2018, spring training until now. Huh. Oh. All right. That's, well, a, that's a good question. Here. So for me, personally, I guess it was just being able to finish off the home run record I home run record post I just did. It took me a while. I included video and, you know, just went over all the best moments of this year, really, which was like ten of those home runs, that was some of the best moments from this historic season. So it was good putting that out there and working on that for a couple of weeks. So I don't know, that was probably my favorite thing to do. Yeah, I'm, that's a yeah, that's a good answer. I'm gonna so I'm gonna I have two answers to this. I have a more vague answer than I'm gonna give a specific one. The more vague answer is kind of just gonna be just in general uh, writing about stuff and writing about a team that people seem to care about. It's a lot easier to be passionate when other people are passionate and when you kind of feed off that. And I, you know, and we've seen it before with so many bad teams. It's hard to really, like, conjure up the energy to either root them on or in the same way, you know, just be extremely pissed when they do poorly because it's kind of just more neutral than anything. You're like, well, if they're just going to, like, zombie walk through the season, and then when you have this year, when everything's going well, it's it's so much more fun when I'm sitting down and I'm like, okay, I'm going to write. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to have people that want to consume it. And that's such a great feeling to have. So if you uh, if you want me to get more specific with an answer, uh, my my favorite article I wrote was actually the most recent one I wrote with this series preview of Detroit, just because <laughs> I went so far in with a lot of my snark and my uh, in, like, all of my roasts. I just... I don't know, something in me was like, you held back last time, don't hold back this time. And I had such a blast writing that. Oh, it was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a good one. I read that one. And, yeah, I mean, I read them all. <laughs> it's great. I always comment, stop, Matt, question mark, but I never get a reply from you, so I didn't do it on the last one, so I gave up. Yeah, I like leaving you on red. It's fun. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, what you said, Um, being able to, this is, I mean, this is really my first year and I think yours too of getting to like write officially at least um, you know because yeah. this is we're just getting into this and of course the first year we do this they're just outstanding best you know team they've had in a decade so it's just a privilege to be able to do that and then be able to do this podcast with the people that actually care about the team it's pretty good pretty fun deal here yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, how'd that work out? We, <laughs> people have been suffering. That they're like, yeah, I've been writing since like 2002. We're like, yeah, I've been writing since uh, four months ago, and you know. <laughs> So yeah, we we jumped on and the twins were getting good, but that's not what happened. I, you know, not at all. Yeah. Totally. So. <laughs> well, I I cared when they were bad. I just wasn't yeah, yeah right yeah. back then. So true. Yep. <laughs> you know, you know how it goes. But anyways, we're at the now at the end with that that last question. So as always, you self promotions. Uh, I do not believe actually I have a minor report this Saturday. I don't think maybe there might be if like a, a, there's a playoff game. But potentially, I might have written my last one. That's kind of so weird to think about. I made it through the entire season. But I will still have the series preview. I suppose I'll be previewing the Cleveland series. Oh, boy. Ooh. Third time I preview Cleveland. Uh, again, I'm running running out of Cleveland artists. But uh, that'll be a fun one. Uh, what do you have? Well, I as I just said, I've got the top ten home runs ranked by win probability added posted this week, which was fun to do. So go check that out. It's a good one. I do the game recap every Sunday. You saw my uh, Twitter post for the game recap today. Remember that? <laughs> that was uh, – my eyes were bleeding, actually, when I read that. So. <laughs> Dude, I got more link clicks on that one than I ever had on the game recap. Because no one wants to, you know, just if they see it on Twitter, they want to read the game recap because they know what happened most likely. So, you know, I got 21 link clicks on a game recap, which is a record high for me. So, you know, I'm going to keep that up. So watch out. <laughs> All right, that's good. That's a fair point. And on Wednesday, I'll have something. Not sure what yet. I had an idea, but I forgot what it is. So just be on the lookout for that. It'll be on my Twitter. So, yeah. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, and now, officially, we have reached the end of the podcast. At this point, I'm uh, editing in the intro slash after song, which uh, should have started in the background a while ago. Maybe it has. It depends on when I like to add it in. I, I like to keep people on their toes. Sometimes that added in early, sometimes that added in late. It really depends. But oh my goodness. the end, dude. That's at the end. That's we're like every week we're in like the one hour twenty seven minute mark, and here we are again ending it. It's really outstanding every time. It's yeah, it's phenomenal. Like how consistent we are. I think we had uh, what was it? The post trade deadline episode was like four minutes longer. Mm-hmm. But like that was. By far, like, the most out of character. All of them just turn in, like, exactly hour 27, hour 28. It's incredible. It's really weird. So we got to end this so we can stay around there. So. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we got to end this so we can be consistent. See you around. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, uh, we'll be talking about fun stuff. More wins. I like it when we talk about wins and we're not depressed. <laughs> we're always depressed, of course. Well, yeah, we just put on a thin veil for an hour and a half or so. <laughs> Than I did, so. Anyways, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you later. <laughs>